In today's episode of Women of Impact, the legendary Harvard-trained sociologist Martha Beck is here to drop knowledge bombs on why on earth we are often so unhappy. And spoiler alert, we are actually doing it to ourselves. Oh, God. But the problem was, the more I achieved, the worse I felt. New York Times best-selling author of nine books, including her latest, The Way of Integrity, and best known for being Oprah's life coach, she calls out all the ways we self-sabotage. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can you just repeat that? So the more you split from yourself and become not one thing, integrity, but two things, duplicity, the sicker you get. Why we need to follow our unhappiness, why being in denial is our own personal hell gates, and why we lie, and how it's actually bad for your health. <gasps> so men typically, when they lie, are lying to make themselves look a little better, and women lie to make people feel better. So guys, get your umbrellas ready, because it's about to rain impact. It literally is blowing my mind. Welcome to Women of Impact with incredible Martha Welcome to the show, girl. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to be here. I am beyond excited. I read your book from front to back. And when wow. I read this one quote, I was like, there is no other place for us to start this interview, but here. So I'm going to read it out. Right. I coached wildly different people, rural South African villagers, erudite New Yorkers, heroin addicts just out of prison, billionaires, celebrities, random strangers I met in line at the DMV, and all these experiences gradually collectively revealed one simple truth. Integrity is the cure for unhappiness, period. Yeah. Ooh, that's a big statement, girl. So I want to like, let's go deep. And I think we need to start with breaking down what you mean by integrity, because I think that over the years, we've right. kind of convoluted the word. Yeah, it's become a very prim, virtuous kind of moralistic word. And that's not how I mean it at all. Um, it comes from the Latin integer, which means whole or intact, like a whole number. And it, so being in integrity simply means that you are wholly yourself and that all aspects of yourself are harmoniously aligned. So, for example, when an airplane is in structural integrity, it can fly, it can do this magical thing. But if it falls out of integrity with itself, then it may not take off, it may not be steerable, it may crash. And the same thing is true of our lives. When we're not all interconnected as a whole being, we fall apart and we crash. Okay, so take that down now to what does life look like when you are out of integrity? What are the signs so that we can start breaking it down and then addressing how we deal with those signs? Yeah, it looks like most of our lives, frankly, because from the <laughs> moment we are born, we're born with what I call our, our true nature. So we are born whole and intact. But as we grow, we're, we encounter culture. So nature versus culture. Culture just means social pressure from any person or groups of people at all, right? And from the very beginning, before we can even talk, we have pressures on us to act the way people want us to be, even if we have to abandon our truth or like act happier than we are. <laughs> so by the time we can speak our first words, most of us have already divided from ourselves. We've abandoned our true nature to fit the culture. And it's a kind of, it's a little soul death, but we don't even notice that it's happening. But it goes on and on. Every cultural experience, school, friendships, um, work, 
extended family, everything puts pressure on us. And we don't even know what our true nature is. So symptoms begin to arise to alert us to the fact that we've fallen out of integrity. And there are six that I see more than any others. And I put these in the book. The first one by far is a sense of meaninglessness, purposelessness. And you'd think, you know, when you're talking to people who are living on the streets who don't have houses, or when you're talking to a billionaire, uh, that they wouldn't have the same big problem and that the, the problem of meaninglessness, the sense of loss of purpose would be the most painful thing they face. But that's actually the worst. As Viktor Frankl said in Auschwitz, if you have meaning, if you can make meaning of your life, you can get through anything. But without meaning, you can't get through anything. So a sense of purpose, you, you need that and you lose it when you lose your integrity. Then you start to have bad moods. So you, you're sad, you're anxious, you're grumpy, irritable, all the way to major depression. Then you get physical symptoms. So the moment you depart from your true self, every molecule in your body responds. If you tell the simplest lie, like I'm fine when you're not fine, your body gets measurably weaker your immune system starts to fail. I mean, everything goes wrong. So the more you split from yourself and become not one thing, integrity, but two things, duplicity, the sicker you get. And then that goes into your relationships and your relationships start to fail in typical ways. Then you start to fail in your career. Then you start to self-medicate in some way. And it may be numbing out by watching TV all day, or it may be a, a serious addiction, like, like a an opioid addiction, anything to make the pain go away. But that pain is the division from self that started way back where, when you were in a cradle. So it's, it's not always the most obvious thing to do to get back into integrity, but it is the answer. So let's go into the duplicity part because I like to kind of always um, link it back to what people can recognize in their everyday lives. And I heard you say, right. it's like, look, if you're going for a test and you're like, this, this test is very important to me. And then you find yourself shopping online for two hours. Those right. types of things resonate with us. And people go, oh yeah, I do that. And they don't actually dive deep into why they do it, what's causing right. it and whether it becomes actually detrimental. Because in the short term, you kind of go, oh, what's the big deal? But right. kind of peeling back the onion, like you're saying, actually has a much bigger effect that we don't realize is happening. Yeah. And and more, how many things do you say you'll do and then put off doing? Mm -hmm. Like I, I have a bunch of medical tests to get and it's just regular medical thing. There's nothing wrong with me. And I was putting them off and putting them off and putting them off. And the reason is that I have some traumatic experience around medical testing. But it wasn't until I sat down and got honest with myself really, why am I not doing this? It wasn't just something bothersome to push away. It was dread. It was terror. And I was holding that inside myself while I was saying, oh yeah, I just need to set up these appointments. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So anything that you know you should do that you're not doing, there's two solutions. Either it's not what your true nature is saying you should be doing, or there's something that caused you to feel torn from yourself and you haven't addressed it yet. And it's stopping you from actually carrying through with the, the actions you think you should. And this is what gets in the way of people's careers, relationships, everything are these unseen truths that are driving our actions at a very fundamental level. 
I love that you said unsee tr- unseen truths because I love the part in your book where you talk about the lies and the lies that we tell ourselves and the type yeah. of lies that, that there are where some are actually it's like yeah sometimes it's kind of necessary you don't want to hurt someone's feelings but other right. times it becomes this like fracture that eventually becomes a big break so can you actually break down that to me and why we do it in the first place <laughs> and how that affects us Yeah, studies show that most of us lie at least three times every 10 minutes during an ordinary conversation. We lie several times within a minute of meeting someone (laughs) because the lies are to adjust ourselves so that people will like us. So men typically, when they lie, are lying to make themselves look a little better. And women lie to make people feel better. And you'd think that these little lies wouldn't be that big. It's not like you're covering up a drug ring or something. (laughs) <laughs> but the, you hope the, not. <laughs> one hopes not. Yes. But no, the, it's unfair, but it's true. Whether the lie is for good or for evil, it has the same effect on you. When you speak to other people in a way that presents a persona that isn't what you really are, you've sold yourself away for those people to make them happy. And you always register illness weakness, um, bad moods, everything. They did a study where they just asked people, they asked a group of people, try not to lie so much for a few weeks. And they said, all right, there was no policing, nobody checked on them. But when they came back, compared to a control group that didn't make that promise, they had fewer doctor visits, they had fewer arguments, they had better health, they had better career success, just because they said, all right, I I won't tell so many little white lies. What I found is a lot of times you don't have to tell those lies to be polite. But if you say something that's not true, you yourself end up paying the price. It literally is blowing my mind. I want people to stop right now and just actually let sink in what you just said. So I've spoken many times on the show about other people lying and how you handle it. But the impact of us lying to others like the health ben- like the health yeah. um, detriments that come with lying it's that so blows my mind yeah and remember it's not just words every time you pretend to enjoy doing something mm. when you're not happy that's a kind of lie every time you make a facial expression to please someone and it's not what you're really feeling it's a kind of lie so self de- uh, deception to present yourself in any way ends up having all these detrimental effects and it's just it's it's worth sitting down to check what feels true to me. So I like to break it down into four parts, body, heart, mind, and soul. So somebody asks you a question like, are you comfortable? I used to give speeches and I would ask the audience right in the middle. I would just stop and say, is everyone comfortable? And they'd say, yeah. And I'd say, no, no, really, seriously, are you really comfortable? And they'd be like, yeah. (laughs) And then I'd say, if you were home alone, how many of you would be sitting in exactly the position you're in right now? Nobody would raise a hand. And I would say, why not? And it would take them several minutes to figure out the reason that they would be in a different position is that they're not comfortable right there listening to me talk, not completely comfortable. And that is not the problem. Discomfort is okay. We can handle it. The problem is they looked me right in the eyes in clear daylight and lied without knowing they were lying. Their bodies knew that they were lying to me, but their minds did not. So when somebody asks you a question or you go into a gathering or you're planning to do something, sit down and get clarity. How does my body react to this? How does my emotional self react? How does my soul feel? And can my mind make sense of what's going on? And then you do what aligns you 
with joy, with purpose, with happiness, mm. and just the slightest degree of change toward integrity. It's like turning a plane one degree every half hour. You don't even notice it at the moment, but it it ends up putting you in a completely different place. I mean, there was a time, for example, um, when I I, <laughs> I started this book probably when I was 29 and I took a, a vow not to tell a single lie for a year. And I pretty much kept that vow. Um, but I ended up leaving my religion and then my family of origin and then my marriage and my home and my job and my career. Like everything seemed to be falling apart. Whereas the truth was that I came out of depression and illness for the very first time I could remember. So that was all good. But there came a time when I felt like I had to speak out about something that uh, that I'd experienced, which was I was raised in this very fundamentalist church where I thought that sexual abuse was epidemic. And I was trained as a sociologist. So I was looking at this from a social science perspective, but I'd also been sexually abused as a child by someone who was very high up in the organization. And I knew that to tell the truth, I had to talk about this, my own abuse, what I was seeing in the in that particular context. And I got death threats, serious death threats. And People threatened my children. They killed all the plants in my yard. I mean, I really took a lot of hits from that. But my integrity said, now go. And you'll find, and it, it was, in fact, the very best possible time I could have done it for my own growth and for my impact on the world. So if you get in this habit of checking what's true, what's true, what's, what must I do today to feel true to myself, then you will know when to stay silent and you will know when to speak out, even if there are repercussions. And sometimes there will be. So, God, that's so strong, Martha. And I want to really dive into what you just said. Of You took a year where you're like, I'm just going to say the truth. And in those mm -hmm. moments where you had to address your religion, your sexuality, your marriage, I mean, there was so much that you unveiled that ended up crashing yeah. down around you. In those moments, I know you say now in hindsight, it was like the best way for you to come out of the depression you needed to go through it. But in those moments, it's very hard, right? You, there's oh, it's horrible. There's being part of a community, <laughs> wanting to be loved, wanting to Ugh. be accepted, but knowing deep down that doesn't align with your integrity, how do you keep going? Because even if, and I'm just projecting myself in, in those situations, was like, okay, align with your integrity, align with your integrity. But in those yeah. moments where you just want to be accepted, it's so hard to yeah. keep doing it. But how do you keep pushing yeah. through that to get to that point where you're like, this was meant to be, I was, I was meant to do well, this? Well, it was... It was an interesting thing for me because I was actually able to achieve a lot, to get a lot of approval my whole life. I was, I liked school. I did well there. Um, I was a congenital good girl. I did everything everybody wanted me to. And so I got a lot of approval. I got, you know, I got into Harvard and went back to, for my master's and PhD. So I was doing well professionally and I had, you know, nice marriage, little kids. Everything looked great. But the problem was the more I achieved, the worse I felt. So I think, well, if I can just have the approval of all these people, mm -hmm. then I'll be okay. And I would get their approval. Or if I can achieve these things in my, in my career or in my schooling or whatever, I'll be happy then. I'll feel good. And I would get them. And I didn't feel good. And I've heard this from so many really successful people that if, when you get to the top of that golden mountain, there's just, the happiness isn't there. 
where you thought it would be. And for that reason, I knew that there was something else I had to do. And the other thing was that I'd had a child who was prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome. And I had to decide at a very late point in pregnancy whether or not to terminate. And I'm very pro-choice, but I was very bonded to the baby already. So I kept him. And in doing so, I went against every advisor and every doctor I had at Harvard. And they told me I was throwing my life away. And it turned out I kind of was. But the life I was throwing away was did not make me happy. And the <laughs> life that I got back made me very happy. So I'd made this huge earth shaking decision that where I, I like the tr it was life and death and I had to go inside. It was my decision and mine alone. Having done that and then being so unhappy in my high achieving life, I just said, look, if it's worth throwing your life away for one little child, it's worth throwing your life away for another, for your own inner child or, you know, for the for the truth of yourself. And that turned out to be the answer. And I've tested it for 30 years. And I can tell you that's why I came to the conclusion that integrity is the cure for unhappiness. Mm. Um, so the one thing I want to talk about actually is, so when it comes, going back to the um, the culture versus nature, how do yeah. you know? So like, let's say you're, you're becoming aware of it now. How do you start to break down what is truly nature and what is truly cultural? Because there's so much that we're told as growing up to be truth that we don't even yeah. question it. Like one of the biggest yep. things that I was, I was brought up in a Greek Orthodox um, religion, oh, very, wow. you know, went to church. And I remember meeting my husband and I think we were maybe like on the second date or something. And he just turned mm -hmm. to me and he was genuinely curious. And he just looks at me and says, like, so why do you believe in God? And <laughs> I'd never been asked that question before. I was wow. 21. I paused and I stared at him and I was like, because my dad told me to. <laughs> I, it was like, it never dawned on me to even question why I believed in it. So wow. how do we start looking at that? Because the one analogy I heard you say, which was so on point was, you know, you look back at the day and we all believed that for having fairer skin meant that you were better. So we believed that, oh, we should put arsenic yeah. on our skin as makeup to make our skin yes. clearer. But obviously, that's terrible for us and absolutely detrimental to us. So how do we start to pass what's true and what's actually something that we believe is true, but is actually a massive detriment? Well, what you said is the key. When, you're, um, when your soon-to-be husband asked you something, you paused. The first thing is, you, and there's something that the, um, I've read about in child rearing in France, le pause. If the baby starts to cry, instead of reacting immediately, stop and see what's really happening. Is the baby really upset? Is, it, is the baby just grumbling? Is the baby still asleep and having a dream? I mean, there's a lot you can get from just a moment of pause. So um, the first thing I do when somebody asks me a question sometimes is to pause. And I lost friends over that. I had a friend say, you know, can I come to your house? And I said, let me think. And months later, she came back and said, when I asked you that question, you paused. And I was like, yeah, I didn't know whether I wanted you to come or not. <laughs> and, because that's true. And, I, and that friendship ended. You know, that was too much, hmm. too much honesty. But if people can't handle you pausing, maybe that's not the best relationship hmm. in the world. So I think COVID, uh, as horrifying as it was, it gave us a chance Pascal said, all our miseries come from the fact that we're unable to sit quietly alone in a room. 
And it kind of forced us to sit quietly alone in a room. And what that gives you is the chance to feel what's comfortable for you, what's aligned for you, what really feels true, what you believe with your mind, heart, body, soul, and start to actually have some principles to stand on. And I hope that people who have been in lockdown have used that to sit down and go, you know what? I'm hearing this a lot from people, actually. They're like, I don't really want to go back to my job the way it was Mm. before COVID. That wasn't really right for me. And they didn't know it before. So the pause is key. Yeah, that's so true. You don't know it because you become just habitual towards it. And so you don't think about it. And once you don't think about it, you never go back and question it. And that is so important, I think, in... Um, I actually do this like every three to six months is I ask myself questions about how my life is and do I currently still align with them? Um, And I really got to that point because I spent eight years as a stay-at-home wife supporting my husband when I didn't want to and I didn't realize, I didn't ask myself the question, do I want to stay at home? Do I want to support my husband? Do I want this life? And because I didn't ask myself, I literally spent eight years, which I actually call um, purgatory of the mundane, where my Mm. life was just mundane enough but it never hit rock bottom that I just ended up being in this purgatory place where I never asked for more. And so everything you're saying of just like making sure you're asking these questions when you're by yourself so you can really tap into your alignment, I think is so important. Yeah. So important. We just don't do it enough. Yeah. And what, what I've discovered is that all that joy I thought that would come from massive achievement that took me years of effort <laughs> and th- you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and everything else. It all came from simply aligning. Like mm-hmm. I, when I live my life from what I genuinely want, and I really have learned this from my son, watching my son grow up, because from the time he was born, I'd already, I'd given him a big, you don't have to on every social, you know, area of social pressure. Mm-hmm. And I watched him grow up in a complete state of integrity and a state of sustained joy. Um, but it just taught me that if we can get that alignment, we, go, we don't just go into mm. an okay life. That's what duplicity brings us, the, mon- the purgatory of the mundane. But we go, and I base the book around Dante's Divine Comedy, and he does not stop at purgatory. He goes mm-hmm. through the inferno, through hell, then past purgatory and on to paradise. And I really, really have experienced and seen in hundreds of clients' lives Full integrity is paradise. There is so much joy in an ordinary day when you're living in integrity. It's just like it will blow out all your circuits. You just can't even take it in how wonderful ordinary life is when you're completely in harmony with yourself. I love that. And the things that you have said in order to become there, the one, there's a few that I actually wanted to talk about because I just found it so fascinating. So one is about mourning your own misery. I was yeah. like, I love this. So talk to me about how we mourn our own misery and why it's actually important to do it. Yeah, mourning our former misery. We, we, so you, for example, you're in this life that everybody says should look great. You know, happy family, husband goes to work, wife stays home with kid. Um, it's all great, right? Then you change. You've changed everything. And I don't know whether you did this when you became this big business phenomenon, but for most of us, every time we lose something familiar, we have to mourn the known misery. It was miserable, but it's what we knew. So even when prisoners get out of prison, they go through a grieving process mm. because they've lost what was familiar. What is known feels safe to us. And when we leave it, we mourn it. Even if it was awful, 
Did that happen to you? It actually didn't, but my husband mourned it. And I like, so we Ah. had the discussion because I went into business and I was like, I'm no longer, I no longer want to cook for you. I love you more than life itself, but I no longer want to cook for you. I no longer want to clean for you. I, this doesn't bring me satisfaction or, you know, enjoyment or excitement. I love business. We just started to build Quest and it was just growing so quickly. I really was like, I love this. And so fascinating, he turned <laughs> to me great. and he was like, well, what kind of husband would I be to ask my wife to stop doing something that brought her this much joy? So he was already mm. on board just from an emotional standpoint. Um, but he said, but I need to mourn the wife you were because who doesn't love having their clothes put out? Who doesn't love having their dinner right. made every day? So he's like, do you like, I, I feel like I would need to mourn that. I was like, oh, of course, babe, mourn away. We'll, we'll like wean you off. So, you know, like I'll do th- four days a week where I'll cook for you and then I'll do you three days a week. So, but the mourning process, like that word always hits me very hard because I think that mm. we judge ourselves for doing it, but I really do feel yeah. like it becomes a very vital part of growth and change. Yes, absolutely. And and that's the strange thing is that you have, by abandoning yourself, you fit in with some kind of culture and the belonging, the sense of belonging mm. that you get from being accepted is what makes you feel like you're going to survive as a child. And even, you know, throughout our lives, we need others to survive. So when we start to change, and this is what I call purgatory in the book, is when you've gotten your you've gotten clarity, you've gone inside, you've gotten clear, you've talked to your inner demons and gotten, uh, you know, familiar with the truth that's underneath them. Then you go through the stage of having to walk your talk. So now you, you feel something deeply. I don't like this way of living. And then you have to go talk to your husband and he does like the way you were living. <laughs> or you talk to your parents and they very much liked the way you were living. Oh, yes. Almost by definition, the people who have pulled us off our integrity are the people we feel we belong with. And by definition, when we start breaking away from that culture to be more true to our individual selves, they're the ones who don't like it. I call them change back attacks. I want you to be the way you were when you weren't happy, but you made me happy. And the Mm. irony is a lot of them aren't happy either. They're doing it because they were told to do it by somebody who also wasn't happy, Mm -hmm. right? So we're actually giving people an opportunity. It's like a jigsaw piece from a puzzle changing its shape. When you get back to your true form, the pieces around you don't fit very well. So they they have a choice. They can either go to another puzzle or they can change their own shape to fit better with yours. And in doing so, because you're, you're living in integrity, the shape that fits with integrity is integrity. So you're actually inviting everyone around you to be honest with you as you are honest with them. And it leads to these incredibly fulfilling and open and joyful and relaxed relationships. It's just, it's amazing. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion 
billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. I love that. Oh, you said something like there's no return. Um, yeah. Oh, the there's point no, of no looking back. Thank you. The, the point, point of, of no, no looking look- back. Yeah. So Dante comes out of the inferno where he's, he's gotten free from all of the lies. I see it as his own internal hell, right? I see the whole thing as a metaphor from that, from unhappiness to happiness. And he comes out of the inferno. And now he has to climb up this mountain called purgatory. When he gets to that point, he comes to a gate and there's an angel guarding it. And the angel says, if you pass this gate, you can't look back. No looking back. And a lot of people won't go through the gate. They just circle the mountain. And you've seen this with like, I've seen it with coaching addicts or therapy addicts or seminar addicts, people who keep finding themselves with a therapist or whatever, but they will never make the change that they're, they know would fulfill them. They won't do it because it's too scary to disappoint people and potentially get them angry at you, you know, to fracture relationships. It is, take your time. But when you want to get to paradise, step through that gate where you decide never to look back. And when you actually go through and decide to be true to yourself, no matter what, mm. it's really impossible to go, uh, to go back because you start to grow so quickly as a soul that it would be like fitting back into your baby clothes. I mean, if I told you, mm. here's the thing, Lisa, I, I really want you to just go back and do 10 more years as a homemaker. Here's <laughs> a baby. Here's an apron. Have at it. You know, you couldn't do it, right? I mean, no. You know it's wrong for you. You just know it's wrong for you. And there comes a point where that is so clear that you don't look back. And that's a really scary point and a really wonderful point. 
I love that. What would you advise someone if they were in a relationship? Because as you were talking, I was thinking about how many people get up to the gate of splitting up, if you will, and then just yeah. turn back around and then give it another yeah. shot. Then get up to the gate. I'm leaving. No, let me give this another try. Yeah. Because oh, once you wow. walk through that door, it's the reality of, oh, I'm alone. And, you know, now yeah. I have to do all the things. There's, there's so much, especially if you're a parent and you have, yeah. you know, um, you have to have a divorce and split the families. So yeah, how yeah. do you advise people there? Because it, we just see it so often in relationships. Oh, I know. And I've worked with people who are in terrible relationships, battering relationships who stayed for mm. 10 years, you know. But here's the thing, just to backtrack a tiny bit. When you're not comfortable, but you're not making steps to feel more comfortable. It's like way back to when you, we said, you know, you know what you're supposed to do, but you don't do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, the relationship is bad, but you don't take steps to be more yourself and then see how your partner responds because they probably won't resp- respond very well. Um, so you're, you are split from yourself and you start to get uncomfortable and you suffer more and more and more. The relationship doesn't stay the same suffering. It gets worse. And Every single person I've dealt with who can't make that break, even if it's a horrible relationship, is because they still have things they deeply believe. Like I had one woman who was in a terrible relationship and she kept saying, quitters never win. I can't quit. And I would be like, are you sure? Like people who quit smoking, is that bad? People who quit, you know, beating people up, is that bad? She was like, no, no, no. I've been taught never to quit. I've been taught never to quit. That, the, the, the phrase never quit. It's not true because sometimes it's bad to quit, but sometimes it's good to quit. So that was a lie when it came to her relationship. And we had to go in and find out why she clung to it so tightly. And it was because it was her her parents. And it's sort of like therapy often. You end up finding out where those beliefs came from. And then you say, but are they true to my body, heart, and soul? And that's how you go through the inferno. And she finally realized, no, that's not true in this case. But there were all these other little beliefs, you know, a good mother never leaves, a woman should do what her husband says, blah, 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 on and on and on. And we had to go through the inferno and break every single little chain of belief that was holding her in a lie. And then she was ready to leave. And she did, even though the kids were there. And the kids said, Oh, thank God. (laughs) That was a horrible marriage, right? So yeah, it's always about If you're not moving forward, don't blame yourself. This is not about blaming or shaming. It just means you've got, you're split from yourself because you were trying to be good. And you need to find out where that pulled you away from your truth and re-examine that so you can find your truth. And when you have enough of your truth, you act. That's how it works. That's so important to do that because we we do listen to so many other people, you know, and even what you were just saying there, I've also heard you say about, you know, like, don't just try harder sometimes, you know, when you're failing. Right. And that's one thing that we just tell ourselves, oh, well, I'm not trying hard enough. I must go yeah. harder to succeed. Um, yeah. And when I heard you say, no, 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 sometimes you just don't try harder. I love that so much. If you can break that down, because I really do feel like that aligns with um, sure. you know, the misconceptions of, you know, well, you, you don't ever leave your family. You don't ever get a divorce, yeah. things like that. Yeah, I once had, I trained a life coach named Sonia Alar, who's hilarious. And she she liked to say, here's some advice for men who want to do well with women in the bedroom. If what you're doing isn't working, don't do it harder. (laughs) (laughs) So, but that is exactly what most of us do when what we're doing isn't working. When we don't know what to do, we do what we know, only more. 
right? So I'm going to, I'm going to try harder. I, I hear that the call of, I want to build a business for myself, but a good Greek Orthodox woman stays at home and cooks for mm. her man, right? So I'm going to cook more. I'm going to be more like a traditional Greek Orthodox housewife. I'm going to, and then I'll be happy. You know, I'm going to be more obedient. I'm going to be more subservient. I'm going to be more cheerful. And we get worse and worse and worse because the basic thing in there is a lie. So when we're pushing ourselves to do more of something that's not true for us, not in integrity for us, it actually makes the pain much worse very quickly. So this sense of peace will come over you when it's time to move on from something and just give it up. If you like, this is silly, but I... I paint pictures. I love to paint pictures. And I'm working on a very, very complex painting right now. And I worked on it so hard that I spoiled it. And I worked on it for hundreds of hours. I mean, I'm not kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> and I just ruined it. And I was trying to save it. And then one night I said to myself, I have to start over again. And this piece came to me and it was it, it was not time to quit on that painting. It was time to start all over again at the beginning. And I've done that with books and I've done it with jobs. I've done it with businesses. When it's worth sticking to, continuing to do it will give you peace, even if you have to start over. And trying to let it go and say, oh, it was never meant to be will feel like soul murder. It's this, that's the thing integrity doesn't say to you go in a straight line this way forever it says take this step now okay take this step in the other direction now and then three days later take a step in a different direction it's like a stream going through a wood it's not culture it doesn't go in straight lines it moves like nature and every year there may be something new for you to do that makes your life as true as it can be yeah, that's so true. I love that. Um, and just how you position everything. It's kind of like you, I find that you put things on its head where it's, you know, like, like what we were just talking about. But then um, one thing that came to mind, that I've heard you speak about is stress. And you're like, no, no, no sometimes it's positive stress. So yeah. um, talk to me about that. I was like, yeah, I want to know what positive stress is. <laughs> yeah, well, we think that we know what stress means because it's culturally defined. I had a whole lot of autoimmune illnesses before I went through my year of not lying, which fixed them. I have I have three diagnosed incurable progressive illnesses that but I have no symptoms since I found integrity with myself. And I was like, well, this is working. But one of them is was excruciatingly painful and I got diagnosed with it. They did a surgery and checked and sure enough I had this awful illness and they gave me a pamphlet to take home to help with the illness. And I was like, yay. I opened it up at random. <laughs> and it, that, the instruction at the top of one page was to avoid committing suicide, remind <gasps> yourself of your religious beliefs. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, that, that makes me feel better. Not. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, it was not it was not fun. But it said, okay, stress reduction will help with the symptoms. So I thought, oh, I'll lie down. I always like I raised my kids on a king size bed, right? Because I was always lying down. And I lay there and it got worse and worse. But they'd given me a hotline to call. And there was this nurse to help me deal with the symptoms. So I called her and I said, I'm I'm still getting worse. I'm lying down. I can't relax any more than I am. And she said, Well, what do you want to do? I said, I'd like to get up and go like go for a hike. And she said, listen to me, when you really in your heart want to dance, then lying down is stressful 
and dancing is not stressful. When you really want to lie down, then dancing is stressful and lying down is not stressful. It's about what you feel in your heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think you're an angel who just gave me a dispensation. <laughs> so I got up and I started doing stuff and I started to feel better until it got stressful. And then I had to lie down. I had to be so careful of like every few minutes. Is this right? Is this right? Is this right? And by doing that, I got well. It's pretty amazing. Wow. I mean, so about eight years ago, if you had told me mm -hmm. that, I would have like, that's so woo-woo. That doesn't make any <laughs> right? sense. I've gone through my own health journey, struggled for five to six years with crippling gut issues hair oh. was falling out nails were brittle i couldn't stand up for longer than five minutes oh at a time gosh. i mean just devastating and i was the one that was going to all the professional doctors and then finally someone was like could to be stress and i was like come on like what are you talking about that's got nothing to do with my gut and oh my god like what i've learned in five to six years wow. is insane so i've come to a place where that to me is so powerful like what you yeah. just said Hit me like a ton of bricks. I want people to really think and and hear what you're saying because yeah. by addressing the stress and by addressing what you said, the positive and the negative stress, the ebb and the flow of things, it's not just yeah. one and done. It's not just set and forget. It's assessing and then readjusting. Like that's so powerful. Yep, and that's integrity. That's being one thing all the time. And the environment changes around us all the time. So this one thing that we are is not like, it, I compared it to an airplane, but actually it's much more magical and miraculous mm -hmm. than an airplane because moment by moment by moment, it guides us to the right action. And that feeling, that click of truth that I, when everything you do is in that space, it not only makes you well, but you have all these adventures. I mean, look what you've done since you started listening, right? <laughs> yeah. And people would say, oh, starting a business is stressful. Well, yeah, but not starting one for you would be stressful. You have to do it the right way. Mm. But for you not to answer your life's purpose would be the ultimate stress. So That's every so day, it just takes you on adventures, this integrity thing. It's a, and you, you, you mentioned the airplane again, and I'd like to actually dive a little deeper into the one degree turn that you were talking about. It's right. so powerful yeah. and your analogy just like locks everything together. So if you can break that down, that'd be great. Yeah. The whole idea of coaching is often, you know, motivating and get set big goals and strive for them. But I had this very different, I never thought I would be a coach. I was going to be a sociology professor. Um, I just started living my life a certain way. And then people started paying me to talk to them about it. And I became a coach by accident. And my way, because I started from sickness, was to take really small steps in whatever direction made me feel more whole. And I call them one degree turns. There's another analogy. I mean, I talked about the airplane, but one another one I love is, you know, those huge cruise ships that are like a city block long. They're, have you seen one of these things? They are yeah. huge. They're so big that if you just tried to turn the rudder, it would snap off because the weight of this of the ship is so intense. So instead, along the rudder, at the back of the rudder, there are all these little mini rudders, and some of them are only six inches wide. This is a ship the size of a city block, and these are called trim tabs. And when the captain turns the wheel, the only thing that actually turns are the trim tabs, and they just change the water pressure ever so slightly, and then the rudder can start to catch the, the flow differently, and then it can turn, and then the whole 
ship turns around because of this six inch trim tab. So what I try to do every day is make sure my trim tabs are set correctly. You know, if you just, if you say, okay, you know what? My marriage is an absolute disaster. Don't file for divorce today unless it feels true for you to do that. Take one step toward it. Spend, here's a, an idea from the book. Take something that you don't like doing, but you do, and spend 10 minutes a day less on that. Think of something you love to do, but you haven't been doing, and take those 10 minutes to do that. So slowly, slowly replace the things, your, you know, fill your time with things you love and subtract the things you don't love. Step by step by step, your whole life will turn around. That's so clear. It really does also address, I think, a lot of the problems that we have with um, making change in general. We make these big, massive yeah. procl- proclamations, especially in January. I'm going to yeah. you know, change. I'm going to do this and everything's going to be different. And then we crumble after the first month. And I think it is because we yeah. try to pull that lever, right? And do the massive change yeah. of the city block and we break the, the handle or whatever you called it. And the one thing that I think is really important that we're discussing is not just why we need to do these changes and how it will better our lives, but um, how to actually do it and how to stay to it for the rest of our lives. And I think, you know, it's, do we set ourselves up for success or do we set ourselves up for failure? Like period. And so I think going slow, making these small little changes will absolutely set you up for that long-term success. 100% we want and you know based on what you're saying about integrity it's like if we really are searching for a true life of happiness then we must always assess are we aligned are we living in our integrity right. yeah and once you get to the integrity once you get, here's the way i see it now because everybody it, it takes you into this peace that everyone knows they're supposed to live in mm-hmm. and i the most miraculous things start to happen when you get there and he, here's how i see it now when you ask the universe for anything, the, if you really want it with your whole heart, the answer is always yes, and it's always immediately sent to you. But the catch is it is sent to your real home address, which is peace. If you're not in peace, you can't get your stuff because you don't, you're not at home. But the moment you follow your integrity to the place where you're in, in a high level of peace, it's its own reward. But then all this stuff that you thought you would never get starts showing up. Right. Like you went and did something that suited your integrity. And then this massive success happened almost as a byproduct of your authenticity. That's how it feels to me when I look at you online and hear you talk like you are speaking from a true space. Right. Mm -hmm. And success follows that like a puppy because you've come home to your integrity. You don't get the success and that brings you peace. You go to peace and that brings you success. Yeah. And that's the thing we, I think we, a lot of us fall into the position of things that we think we're supposed to be. Um, And, you know, it it can be a trap and then having to break free of that and make the one degree turns, like you said, is very difficult. And actually, um, was it the one degree turn that actually led you to being on Oprah? Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. It's, It's actually an interesting story. I'm glad you asked it. I was so, you know, I got well. And by the time I was in my 40s, I'd been able to start doing physical things that I never thought I would do again. I was just like, if I can be free of pain, I will never waste a day. And I didn't. (laughs) I got fit and I loved to ski. Well, one day 
um, Oprah decided to do a, a, an hour on de-stressing your life. And they called 19 people who'd written a magazine art. I guess I'd written a magazine article about it or something. And all 19 people got calls from the producers and they went bananas. They started sending their agents and their publicists and life-size pictures of themselves and all these things. And when they called me, a producer called from the Oprah show and said, we're doing this show. Do you want to come on? And I said, mm, I'm going skiing. <laughs> and she said, yeah, but this is Oprah. And I'm like, yeah, but this is skiing. <laughs> I really, really want to go skiing. So I just went skiing. And the producer sat there with the other 18 people coming at her. And she thought there's only one person who didn't sound like they were under stress. So I got to the bottom of the mountain on one run and somebody came out with a cell phone and said they want to talk to you. And they gave me a whole hour as a complete unknown. They gave me a whole hour on the Oprah show. And things like that happen when you serve your integrity. People notice, people get a good feeling from it. And that leads to good relationships, mm. good professional connections, good everything. There's also in, in the book, one of the things I talk about is that when you make a commitment to integrity, teachers arrive. Mm. And sometimes that teacher is a coach or a professor or a businesswoman, you know, running an empire on online. So the teacher, you know, you show up as a teacher for the people who are ready for you, who are your students. And it is truth itself that makes those appointments, I believe. <laughs> I love that. Um, I cannot let you go without talking about walking back the, t the cat. Walking um, back the cat. Let's talk about walking back the cat, girl. Okay, so if you do something, if you're trying your best to live in integrity and you do something and you suffer for it, you're like, hmm, why did I do that? Now, walking back the cat is a, is a term from spycraft. So spies use it when an operation goes badly. And walking back the cat means watching everything unfold backwards. So you start with what went wrong and then you say, what was the step before that? And then you analyze that and then you say, what was the step before that? So for example, um, when's the last time you, Lisa, did something that you knew was not what you should have done, but you did it anyway? I'm so going to steal your one. I ate some a bit too much sugar over the weekend and I knew my gut wouldn't be able to handle it. Okay. So what? Because I know what you have you... the eggs, right? <laughs> I had the egg problem. Yes, I'm not supposed to eat eggs and I do sometimes. So when did you eat the sugar? What was happening? It was um, Memorial Day weekend. Okay, so go to the moment you picked up this food, whatever had the sugar in it, and you thought, yeah. that's not good for me, and then you ate it, okay? Yes. So freeze frame, go to that moment, tell me what was going on in your body, like, and, and emotions. What were you feeling at the moment you ate it? Excited. About the sugar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> were you excited about something else? Um, about my mother-in-law being in town. Okay. Now go into the excitement and see if you can find in there anything that is a little bit speedy or racy, like a yes. little bit not pleasant. Can you find yes. that? Yeah. Okay. Go into that and tell me, why are you feeling that? What's happening that makes you feel that way? I was potentially maybe anxious. I don't think I felt anxious, but now that I think about it, it's in my head I have been waiting for to see my mother-in-law in person yeah. for so long that I yeah. played out the scenario in my head about what a magical day it would be. And that yeah. magical day included the sugar, it included like the movie, it included yeah. all these things. And kind of it, there's a part of me that maybe was wanting to make sure all these magical moments happened because I'd envisioned right. them in my head. 
So what you're doing now is you're walking back the cat to the times when you were imagining the day and you were putting a little pressure on the day that it had to be magical. You, there was so much need, you know, and a, a little bit, maybe too much attachment to the idea of it being perfect, perfect. So then you go to the anxiety and that's where you go, you get quiet, you go into your inferno and you say, and it's, remember, everybody's in the inferno because they were trying to be good. So you look at the little part of Lisa that's saying, this has to go right. And you say, sweetheart, is that true? Does it really have to go exactly that way? Would it? Would the world end if it didn't go exactly that way? And see if you can get her to say, you know, I'll live even if it's not perfect. Mm. Can you go there? The truth is I don't, whew, this is hard to say. And this is kind of, I wasn't sure. My, my mother-in-law's getting older ah. and part of me, and part of me was worried, I think, I don't know if I'm actually ever going to see her again. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that probably, and I told myself that when I do see her, I'm going to be the best daughter-in-law ever right. and show her how much she means to me. Wow. Yeah. So you see there's all this good intention, but it created some anxiety and anxiety, complete relaxation. Like when we're with a cat or a dog that's completely relaxed, what a gift that is. So instead of forcing yourself to let go, what I would like people to do, because I think it's in more integrity, is to love the parts of themselves that are anxious, that are causing this. So I would say, well, yeah, oh, my God, that is so understandable. Anyone would feel that way, Lisa. Of course you felt that way. It may not be true that everything has to be perfect, but wow, I totally get what you've been through, isolation, fear of losing people. Of course you're going to be anxious. That is that is 100% understandable. And you can relax with that. You can feel as bad as you want and as worried as you want. So now we're addressing the real issue, which is the heart, right? Mm. Now you can go in. So we've walked back the cat quite a way. And if we, if we walked it back far enough, it would probably connect with like, when was the first time you remember feeling so anxious that something had to go right? How old were you? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah, so far back. I, it's probably one of my first memories. Yeah. So that's going to be one of your primary things that keeps you in hell and splits you from your integrity. Because in fact, nothing has to go perfectly. Everything can be imperfect. Like Leonard Cohen says, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So by loving and calming the part of yourself that is understandably feeling this emotion, you can relax, take a deep breath and go hug your mother-in-law instead of eating sugar. Mm. You know? And... um and that's how you walk back the cat. God, I love that so much. And really tying it all to, uh, you know, this really is how we, we self-sabotage a lot. And I think yeah. that that's where a lot of this comes from. How do you then identify it? Because in everything you're saying, I'm like, oh my, like literally you're blowing my mind right now in real time because <laughs> I never thought about all those knock-on effects. So how do you actually implement that in the moment then so that you don't end up self-sabotaging? Because once you've walked back the cat and you've revealed everything and you realize, oh, okay, that's where it comes from. How right. do you then use that lesson for the next time you go to self-sabotage? You walk back the cat again and you start to, it, it becomes a habit. The sooner... Uh, after you've done something you wish you hadn't done, you almost immediately start walking back to cat. You find the lie. You let yourself loose. You give yourself the compassion you need or you talk to someone. You do what's necessary to heal the wound. And then you're, you're a little more relaxed. You're a little more yourself. And the next time you don't do as many compulsive things, 
But if you do, you walk back the cat, you do the whole thing. So this is the whole process I wrote about in the book. It's like anytime you're in suffering, you can go through this little process of this isn't perfect. Where is the, my split from the truth? Oh, that's the truth. So now I'm going to walk my talk. Boom, I'm in paradise related to that subject. But there are many, many little lies that we live with. And so you may have to go through it several times. But the more you go through it, the quicker it is, the more you see mm. through it, and the more confidence you have that it's going to be okay. It's going to be amazingly okay. Even if it looks like it's going to split your life in two, you believe because if you've experienced it, that it's going to take you to paradise because it works. The truth works. That's why every tr wisdom tradition on the face of the earth tells you the truth will set you free. Well, Martha, oh my God, we literally just scraped the surface of what your book talks about. So but where can people go find it, read it, Audible, pick it up Amazon. in the bookstore? Amazon.com, Audible, you can go to my web website, MarthaBeck.com and link you to it, I think. And yeah, anywhere books are sold. <laughs> Amazing. And where can people follow you? MarthaBeck.com is the best way. Or on you know Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah amazing guys 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 i had so much fun diving into her book it was so freaking amazing like i said i just touched the surface so go check it out and leave in the comments below what fire piece of advice she gave that really freaking rocked you and if you're not subscribed click that subscribe button down there and if you're not following me guys follow me at lisa billu and until next time be the hero of your own life peace out <laughs>